You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestoakville.ca. Amen. Is it true, church? Is it true? It is. Amen. Hey, if you've got a Bible, why don't you grab one and uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. And while you're getting there, let me tell you the story of something that happened to me in 1996. In 1996, I was a college student at the Moody Bible Institute, and my roommate was American, as many were at that school. And uh, around came American Thanksgiving, and he said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, nothing, because I've already celebrated Thanksgiving, the real Thanksgiving. (laughs) And, and, and he said, well, why don't you come to my hometown and you can hang out with my family, you can hang out with my friends. And so we did that. We went to Novi, Michigan, and uh, a great town. And we were dining in one of the fine establishments entitled uh, the International House of Pancakes one night. Perhaps you've eaten there as well, succulent meals. And uh, we were gathered around the table, just him and a few of his friends, and in shuffled this man uh, who was instantly recognizable and known to all of those at the table. Uh, they noticed him right away as the high school janitor named Raleigh. And uh, they said, you got to meet Raleigh, Craig. you got to meet Raleigh. So I went up and met Raleigh. And, and poking out of Raleigh's chest pocket was a 3x5 card. And the words on the top of the 3x5 card said, perhaps today. And I asked him, hey, what, what's that about, Raleigh? And uh, he pulled the card out and began to share with me about Jesus Christ. And he began to tell me that any second, any day, the Lord Jesus could return, perhaps even today. You know, of all the people that I met in Novi, Michigan that weekend, I still remember Raleigh. Raleigh may even be with the Lord right now as we speak. You know, one of the greatest truths, one of the absolute sweetest truths in that Bible that you hold in your hand right now is the truth, the guaranteed truth that one day Jesus Christ will return. It's one of those truth hills that you can absolutely die on. The bus, for sure, is coming. Without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus is coming. And as the days tick by, and as the hours tick by, two truths are true, so true. The first, Jesus is coming for his church. That's the truth. And then the second truth that ticks by is that you and your life is fading. And maybe one day, very soon, he will call you home. The bus is coming. Either Jesus is on the bus for all of us, or he's coming just for you, but the bus is coming. So this brings up two questions. Of course, the first is, which will come first? Will the Lord return for his church first, or will he come for just you first? And question number two, and I think the most important, and to what this passage speaks to tonight, question number two, the burden of my heart, are you ready to meet him? Are you ready? This passage will speak to us over and over again, be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready. If Christ should turn, return today, are you ready? You need to be ready. If, if, if our Lord were to come back in five seconds from now, would you be ready? Five, four, three, two, 
One. Are you ready? This passage that we have is an urgent message given by a Savior about to go and give his life upon a cross. It's a message with a warning in it, but it's also a message with amazing hope. It's our text for today. Matthew 25, verse 1 says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered them, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Verse 10, and while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. There was a message in here today for you with the hopeful heart, looking for the return of your Lord. There is a message in here today for you, the hypocritical heart who thinks you know him, but you don't. There's a message in here today for the hardened heart who thinks that you could never know him, but you can. I pray that this message today wakes all of our hearts up to the reality that Jesus is coming. I pray that. In fact, let's pray that right now. What if you walked in here today to just hear this message? What if God meant for you to be here for this reason? What if your life has been leading up to this very moment of truth that's about to be told to you? What if God wants to speak directly to you today? Oh Lord, we pray that you would. We pray, God, that you would bring encouragement today we pray, God, that you would bring conviction today and that you would bring salvation today. All three of these great swords you hold in your hands and only you can swing them. Encouragement, conviction, and salvation. God, please, please do a great work in this place today. Despite the messenger, God, would you use this text for your great glory and for our great joy May you convince us all. May you do what only you can do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how do you know if you're ready to meet him? Uh, our text lays out for us wonderfully two absolute musts if you're to be ready. Two absolute musts today for you if you want to know if you can be ready to meet Jesus. Here's the first one. Be prepared to greet him. You must, you must, you must be prepared to greet him. Hey, how prepared are you to meet Jesus? 
The text today lays out the uh, ancient Near East ritual of, of a wedding, a very common occurrence. And, and in ancient Palestine, the wedding was, was done in, in, in similar lines where, where the bridegroom would, would look across and he would see a, a suitable bride for, for his life and, and he would be compelled to her and he would want to have her as his bride. And so the very first step he would take would not be to her, he would be going to the father of that bride or the family of that bride. And he would sit down with them, and they would work out the arrangements, and then he would go and he would pay the bride price. And at that moment, they were officially engaged. Once the price was paid, then the certainty of the wedding was soon to follow. The price was paid, and then the groom would go away for a period of time. And then after a period of time, you didn't know when the the groom would come And then the marriage would occur. Unlike today, where we wait for the brides typically, the last one in the building is the bride. It's a lovely part of our culture. In the ancient Near East, the last one to the event was the bridegroom. He was often escorted in with his friends, and it was a great and honorable thing to do to bring him in, to join the groom and to go into the feast. It's fun stuff. And so when Jesus gives this parable, everyone's understanding this immediately. And look at verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. This is what the kingdom of heaven will be like. It's not like it's like this now, but it will soon be like this. And if the kingdom of heaven is like this, then there's absolutely no doubt who the groom is. It's the king of heaven. Jesus clearly intends for us to understand this parable as though he is the groom and he is coming for his bride, the church. He is the one returning. But wait a second. If you're a disciple and you're hearing this parable, you're a little bit confused. He's the groom returning. Wait a minute, where has he gone? He's right here. Is he going somewhere? In fact, in just two chapters, Jesus will go somewhere. Jesus goes to the cross and offers up his life. The bridegroom pays the bride price. And once the price has been paid, the groom will come back at any moment, any moment. The Bible is very, very clear on this truth. You know, there's a a study in theology called eschatology, which usually ends up with a lot of question marks. Not really sure exactly what this event will look like, the the rapture. Not really sure what the millennial kingdom will look like. Not really sure about who the Antichrist is. Not really sure about that. Not really sure about this. But the truth that we have, the absolute truth in eschatology that we know is that any second Jesus could return. Any second. And oh, that he would. Oh, that he would come. Any second, any day, Jesus could return. Now here's the thing. Scripture doesn't just say out of the blue he could come. No, in fact, Scripture gives us several clues. I want to show you some of these clues right now. From the passages you can see from Matthew, you've got a few here. First of all, increasing false teachers. Increasing wars and rumors of wars. Increasing famines. Increasing earthquakes. Increasing hatred of Christians. Increasing lawlessness. Is any of this sounding familiar? How about these? Increasing materialism. Increasing mocking of the end. Oh, he's not coming. There's no way he's coming. Whatever. 
increasing geological upheaval, increasing disease, increasing fear about the future. But notice this last one, increasing distribution of the gospel. Sound familiar? So I guess, church, when we start to see some of those things come about, we should start to think that maybe the end is near. Maybe we should just wait to see, are you kidding me? Right now, right? This is life right now. Wake up and smell the diesel. The bus is coming. The time is near. Jesus is on his way. Be ready, be ready. Be prepared to greet him. Now, by prepared, I mean a few things. Not me, the text. A few things that right away pop off the pages of your Bibles that tell us and give us some clues as to what prepared means. I want you to notice this firstly. Prepared, prepared doesn't mean just being present. Prepared doesn't mean just showing up and getting the check mark. Verse one again, and the kingdom of heaven will be like the 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were fools. And five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Notice that there are ten virgins to welcome the bridegroom. But the five are wise and five are foolish. The job isn't done just by showing up. The job isn't done just by getting a check mark, being prepared, or being just present. No, prepared doesn't mean you're just there. You can't just show up to a job interview without a pen. You can't just come to the work site without the tools. You can't come to the office without the laptop. You can't just show up. There's more to this. It's not enough. Just showing up isn't good enough. Prepared doesn't mean just being present. What our Lord is doing here in this moment is he's separating two kinds of people. The one kind, the genuine believers in Jesus Christ. And the other kind, the almost Christians. Those who think they are in Christ. The wise bring the oil, the foolish do not. The believer in Jesus Christ has the fuel. The almost Christian, the hypocrite, does not. What is this oil? Well, understand me clearly. What I'm not saying this oil to be is this pile of good works that we bring ready for examination. That's not what the oil is. That's not what fuels the believer. The oil or the fuel mentioned here is nothing less than the grace of God. What is given to the believer to light his life is the grace of God. Just as an oil needs fuel for its lamp, so too the believer in Jesus Christ needs the grace of God on his or her life before there's any change, before that person can truly come to know Jesus Christ. When Christ returns, when Christ returns, how will it be for you if you just show up? Listen, you can't just stand there and say, oh, I've always gone to church. You can't just stand there and say, you know what, I did a lot of good stuff. You can't just stand there and say, yeah, but I'm way better than Bill. You can't just stand there and say, look at my kids. Look at the work I did. Look at how nice a guy I am. I don't even swear. Look at my life, I was good. How well do you think that's gonna go for you? Oh, I read my Bible. 
I donated. I gave to the church. I worked hard. I served in a, I was in a small group. I went to Harvest Bible Chapel. I sing the songs. How well do you think that's going to go for you? Now listen, I say this truth to you today because I think some of you are convinced that this is all you need just to be good and just to stand in your own merit, just to stand before the throne by yourself and say, look, I'm, I'm good. I can go into heaven. Look at me. That's the oil of self. And I say to you, no, 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 my foolish friend, no. That is not the oil you need. That oil will light no lamps. That oil of self will damn you. If you think that all you need is all you've done, then you're in serious trouble tonight. If you think that all you need is the kind of person that you are, you're a nice person, then you're in serious trouble. You are relying upon the oil of self. You need the perfect oil. You need the grace of God. Now what do I mean by grace? Let's look at verse 5. Hold that thought and let's learn more about this grace. Verse 5. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Now secondly, I want you to notice this. Prepared doesn't mean just showing up. But secondly, prepared doesn't mean being perfect either. Doesn't mean being perfect. Just because you're waiting, just because you're ready, doesn't mean that you're perfect. Do you see this? Did you notice this? That all of them fell asleep. All of them got drowsy and slept. They nodded off. Life goes by. They got tired. They all became drowsy. They all slept. Even the ones with the oil became drowsy and slept. They took their eyes off the horizon and they fell asleep. More about this grace. More about this grace now. Because here we come to the good stuff. They all slept. But here we see the great, one of the greatest truths of the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news, the good news that we cannot be perfect. We cannot be perfect. And I don't mean perfect outwardly. You've got perfect hair, you've got perfect skin, you've got perfect teeth, or you've got perfect ability, you've got perfect intelligence. No, no, no. What I mean is perfect in the heart. Innocent, beyond a shadow of a doubt of any faults or any wrongs. Innocent. We can't do that, the Bible says. We cannot be perfect. And why is that? Because we've all sinned, and we all still sin, even today. In the big and the little, we fall short of what God calls us to. Even in the simple things, we fail to stay awake. Even today, in your life, as you open it, you see there were moments that you failed to stay awake. You let it creep in, didn't you, again? And you can see in your life that you are not perfect. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect because your hope is Jesus. The good news isn't limited to the truth that you aren't perfect. It goes on. The good news is that Jesus is perfect. You don't have to be perfect because Jesus is. And that's the awesome truth. And that's the hope that brings to us today. Listen to the truth, loved ones. You may have come in here feeling today as though you've been dragged here. 
Or you may have come here today feeling as though you've staggered here. Again with the sin. Again with that thing again. Again with the problems. Here today that you do not need to be perfect. You just need a perfect savior. And you know you're not perfect. You just need to look into your life and you see the evidence. There's hope for you today. There is hope for all of us today. There is hope because there is Jesus. Jesus is the perfect one. Jesus, the Son of God, who offered up his life freely so that you, in a great exchange, might be, might be removed of all of the sin that you have suffered. And all of that sin that you did is placed upon the soldiers of a good and kind Jesus Christ. And all of the righteousness of Jesus Christ is now placed upon your life. That great exchange. Your sin for his righteousness. Do you see this today? He holds forth his hands. And in his hands, the oil of grace, the forgiveness of all of your sins, not just the past ones, not just the ones today, but all of the ones even in the future, the oil of grace given to you and also the oil of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that you might stand before, someday before an eternal God and say, it's not because of me. It's not because of my life. It's because of Jesus' life. He took my sins. He bore my wrath. He took it all away and now I stand clothed in his righteousness. That's the oil of grace. That's the truth for you today. And it's still available for you. That's the promise. That's the promise. That he willingly takes your place. So that you might receive the forgiveness. And also the perfect righteousness of Jesus. That's the oil of grace. Here's a simple definition for grace. It's this. God gives me what I do not deserve. God gives me what I do not deserve. And with this too is mercy. God does not give me what I do deserve. This is our God, the God of rich grace, who gives to me forgiveness of sins, who gives to me the righteousness that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, has earned, his perfect works entrusted to my bank account. That's the grace and the mercy. He withholds the punishment that I deserve. That's our God. And that's the hope we have today. This is the oil of life. This is the oil that saves. This is the fuel for the believer. This is the gospel. And this is truth. That though you may have become drowsy and slept, we all might be awakened to life in Christ. Maybe you've come in here today with a hardened heart and you're saying, I can't be saved. I can't be saved. You don't, know, you don't know what I've done. You don't know all the horrors that I've done. You don't know all the things I've said. You don't even know what's going through my mind right now. You don't know. I can't be saved. Know this today, that there is no one too far for the grace. There is no one beyond that oil of grace. I know to look in my own life and I see my own life, what I have done. And I'm not beyond the oil of grace. And neither are you. For you, the hardened heart today, there is hope. Hear this also, you, you almost Christian, you with the hypocritical heart, where are you standing today? Are you standing in your own good works? Are you standing in your own merits? 
You may come to the same church. You may sit under the same teaching week after week. You may believe with your mind the truth, but you have never given up and run to him. I say to you with fear and trembling tonight that you are one of those foolish virgins. You think you can stand in your own grace. But listen, he gives the oil of grace freely. And even today, he gives it to those who would ask. You don't need to be perfect. You just need to recognize that you aren't. This is no different as well for the life of the believer in Jesus Christ. There's great truth in here for us today and the hope-filled heart. Listen, some days you just forget, don't you? You just forget that Jesus is coming back. Some days it just goes to the back burners. Some days it just gets lost. And how is it lost? Well, there's honestly some days that you're excited about things. You're looking forward to those things and you forget the great thing you look forward to. And honestly, some days there are hard things. There are really hard things that you forget will someday end when the Lord comes. But I think for most of us, we lose sight of the return of our Lord because of sin. We fall asleep. Listen, we're not perfect. We fall asleep too. I fall asleep, don't you, Christian? But listen, our sleeping doesn't alter the speed of the bus. Jesus is coming. He is coming. None of them stayed awake, but being perfect isn't the point. Some are trusting in the oil. None of them stayed awake. None of us are perfect. What are you trusting in today? So I ask you, are you prepared? And listen, when I ask you that, when I say, are you prepared, I'm not saying, are you perfect? I'm asking you, what are you trusting in today? Well, prepared doesn't mean just showing up. Prepared doesn't mean being perfect. And now thirdly, this. Prepared doesn't mean being a pirate. Okay, I'm having a little fun with the outline here. Moment of levity. I needed to pee. Arr. Notice the text. Verse 6. But at midnight, there was a cry. At the darkest of the dark. Here is the bridegroom. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. And the cry awakens all ten. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Here is Jesus. Here he is. And what a day. Perhaps today. For all of us. Or perhaps today just for you. What a day. What a day. Now up to this point, there's been no external difference between the wise and the foolish. They've had the same. They fell asleep in the same way. Now they've been woken in the same way. But as the cry goes out, now the difference has become apparent. Look at verse 7. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Now the difference is exposed. The wise have the oil, the foolish do not. Now their lives are exposed and, and now we see who is foolish and who is wise. They turn and they ask the wise, hey, give, give, give us some of your oil, give us some of your oil. Ours are running out, ours are running out. We don't have enough, we're in serious trouble. Almost Christian, 
hypocritical Christian? Will this be you? Will this be you who've trusted in self, in your own work, in your own character, in the way that you've raised your kids well, in how well you've done your job, and how much you've given to the church, how much you've served in the church, how many church services you attended, how much you read your Bible? Is this you trusting in those things? You've got no oil. You've got nothing. Don't you see this means nothing? Just as the foolish virgins panic, so too will you, but it will be too late. Listen to this. It will be too late to figure out what you believe about Jesus when you meet Jesus. Let me say that again. It will be too late to figure out what you believe about Jesus when you see Jesus. And it won't do to pirate from others. It just won't work. You can't rely on your wife's growth in Christ. You can't rely on how healthy your church is. You can't rely on how your kids are doing and their walk with the Lord. No one, no one gets into heaven on the back of someone else unless that back is Jesus Christ. No one gets in. We all stand, each one of us, at the moment in time, at the end of our lives, we are each standing before the Lord individually. That's the truth, the truth. The believer in Jesus Christ knows this full well. The believer in Jesus Christ knows that they need the grace of God in full measure. They know that they cannot spare a drop of grace. And that's why in our stories, the the, the wise virgins tell the, the foolish virgins no. What Jesus is pointing us to here is that the wise virgins know that they need every last drop of oil. They need that oil. And you understand this, don't you, believer? You understand that every last drop of the grace of God is needed in your life. You need it all. Only the fool says, no, I only need a little bit of Christ. Only the fool will say, oh, just a little bit of this, just a little bit of this, and I'm fine with the rest. No, the believer in Jesus understands, no, I need it all. I need it all. My sins are titanic. They're overwhelming me. They drag me down. I need every last bit of grace from God. I need it all. I need it all. Understand this. The parable is not talking about sharing Nor is it talking about the fact that you can go and buy grace like you can buy oil. Rather, what it's talking about is that you must, you must have received grace in your own heart. You can't take someone else's grace. You can't pirate it from someone else. No one gets into the kingdom of heaven on someone else's shoulders unless those shoulders are the Son of God. You, you, you need to make a decision about Jesus Christ. And some of you need to do that today. So I ask you again, are you prepared? Prepared doesn't mean just being present. Prepared doesn't mean being perfect. And prepared doesn't mean that you can take it away from someone else. Are you prepared? The bus is coming. Either Jesus will be on it for us all, or he's coming just for you. Are you ready Be ready, be certain, be ready. Be prepared to greet him, but I want to show you the second must do you must do tonight. 
It's this, be certain that you know him. Be prepared to greet him, yes, but now secondly, be certain that you know him. Be sure, be sure that you know him. Verse 10, and while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went into the, with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Verse 13, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The foolish go into scramble mode. They go looking for the oil. They go looking left and looking right. And the wise go into the feast, and the door is shut. Shut with the wise virgins inside. And what rejoicing is going on, this is a wedding feast. There's, 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 there's cheering, there's music, there's good food, there's dancing, there's joy in the wedding feast. But the door is locked. It's shut. A word of encouragement for you tonight, believer. A word of encouragement for you tonight, you who have trusted in Christ and who know full well how hard this life is. A word of encouragement from your Lord that one day, so soon, you will be shut in to enjoy the grace of God forever and ever and ever, and no one was, will come in, and no one will take that joy from you. There's not going to be anyone knocking on the door of the kingdom of heaven in, in the eternal state at the end of time when the, when the rosters are counted, when, when we all march into heaven. There's not going to be anyone knocking on the door saying, hey, I'm coming in to ruin the fun. I'm coming in to be the spoil sport. I'm coming in to be the downer. That's not going to happen. Likewise, you won't hear, I'm coming in to bring some sin with me. I'm coming in to bring some more death. I'm coming in to bring some more relational distress and destruction. I'm coming in to mess things up with your wife again. I'm coming in to, 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 to mar that relationship that you hold so dear. I'm coming in now to, to, to bring about some great sickness. It's not going to happen. The door is shut and the believers are inside, locked up tight like Noah in the ark. You are sealed and safe for eternity, for eternity, if you've got the oil of grace, if you hold that oil in your life and you know he's coming, then you are safe. And know this, that none whom the Father calls will be left outside, all come in. Now verse 11, afterwards the other virgins, the foolish ones, came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. The door is also shut with the foolish virgins on the outside, those with no oil, those who've trusted in themselves, those who believe in their own righteousness, those who trusted in their good works, those who thought it was okay to stand before a righteous judge on their own account. They're locked outside. And even though they cry out, they are not known. Question. What about you? What about you? You with the hypocritical heart. You came to the hillside to wait for him. You came to the same church. You sang the same songs. You read the same Bible. You heard the same preaching. But you have never surrendered to the grace of God. You have never bowed your knee to the Lord. You have never seen him as sufficient for all of your sins 
The Lord says to you even now, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Because Jesus is not your Savior. Because you don't think you need to be saved from anything. Will this be you? Will this be you? Are you certain that you know him? What about you who never even made it to the hillside? You didn't even pretend that you were a part of the crew. What about you with a hardened heart? You who've lived your life away from God all of your life. You with regrets upon regrets, truckloads of sin, things that we would blush at. You with the sins that would shock us. You who think yourself too dirty. What about you with a hard heart? Where will you be? I know where you'll be. Without the oil of grace, without the receiving of the forgiveness of God, you will be shut out also. Shut out of the kingdom of God forever. You say to me, this is too harsh. You're a monster for saying this. No, this is the truth. God's word today is very clear. If you meet Jesus without the grace of God in your life and you think you can make it on your own with your own merits, your own good works, your own righteousness, then you are a fool and your pride will cause you to lose everything. When you meet Jesus on that day and you think that, you're in serious trouble. But today, today, is not that day, not yet at least. Today may not be the day of his return. Today you may arrive safely at your pillow. Verse 13, the end of our passage says, watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour. We don't know, we don't know. We're just called to watch. We're called to stay awake. And back to the hopeful heart, this is great news for us. We need to be ready, we need to be ready. For the Lord is coming any minute, any second. You don't know the time. You don't know the hour, but you know he's coming. He's on his way. He's not backing up. He's coming forward. Do you believe it tonight? And if so, how does that affect the way you live? You know, I had the blessing of, of sitting and soaking and steeping in this passage for a week. And do you know how this passage will change you? Do you know how this truth will change you? It will cause you to think about what's really important. It will cause you to check your sin in the moments. If the Lord comes back, would I want him seeing this? It'll cause me to check my sin. It causes me to check my priorities as well. What am I really thinking about? What's the most important thing in my life right now? And if the Lord came back, would I be proud of that most important thing? It causes me to focus and prioritize relationships and to focus on the people of my life rather than the things and the stuff. For the believer, there is great hope and it changes the way we live. There's a word in here for us tonight. But there's also a word in here tonight for the hardened heart and for the hypocritical heart. Hear this word. Could it be that the Lord has allowed you another day? Could it be that he has given to you another opportunity to hear his message, to turn to him, and to be saved? 
And listen, I plead with you tonight, if that's you, when you are finding yourself in this place without the oil of the grace of God in your life, I implore you that you come to Jesus Christ. You know who you are. You know there's sin. You know there's a distance between you and God. But hear now this truth, that there is a great river of mercy that will flow to you, a great river of grace, that even tonight the Lord Jesus calls you to give up your sin and turn to him and find through faith the grace that leads to eternal life. I love what Romans 10, 9 says. It says this so plainly for you, maybe you even tonight, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the truth for you tonight. There is no one beyond the reach of Jesus Christ. There is no one too far, no case too hopeless, no life too lost. This is Jesus Christ, and he calls some of you to this today. That if you believe, you might find that life today and be found among those with that oil of grace in your life. That's the truth. What if he were to come in five seconds? Five, four, three, two, one. Would you have been ready? If you weren't, If you weren't, it would have been too late. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Well, on one of the expeditions to the Antarctic, Sir Ernest Shackleton once compelled to leave some of his men on Elephant Island with the intention of returning them and carrying them back to England, but he was unavoidably delayed. And by the time he could go for them, he found to his dismay that the sea had frozen over and his men were cut off. Three times he tried to get to them. Three times he tried to reach them. But each time his efforts ended in failure. And finally, on, 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 on a fateful day, finally his fourth attempt, on August 30th, 1916, after four months and three tries, he finally navigates his craft through a crack in the ice and makes it to his troops, 22 lives on this elephant island. Here's a, here's a picture of what it looked like. Or Think they were happy? I think so. Elephant Island. This is what they looked like. While guiding his ship to the island, he, he found all 22 men not only uh, well, but alive and, and, and doing well. And, and, and also this, ready to come aboard. Ready. They were soon on their way and safely to home. And after that excitement died down, Shackleton asks how it was they were ready to get aboard so promptly. And the guys told him, every morning, the guy in charge rolled up his bed and said, get your things ready, boys. The boss may be coming today. Get your things ready, boys. The boss may be coming Now listen, Shackleton might have been delayed inevitably. He might have never made it there. But the sure truth for us through the word of God is that Jesus Christ is coming. Get your things ready. Ladies and gentlemen, he may be coming. The boss may be coming today. Are you ready? Are you prepared to meet him? Are you certain that you know him? This, of course, makes the time that we're about to celebrate now even more special. We're going to take a few moments 
to turn to the Lord's Supper. And the truth contained in the Lord's Supper are amazing truths as we consider what Jesus Christ has done for us and for our lives. We look first at the truth that sin has been paid for. And we are called to remember again the great cost of Calvary and the work that Jesus has done for us in accomplishing the fact that sin have been, has been atoned for. Jesus Christ, at great cost to himself, gave up his own life. So we remember together as a church. We remember the work of Christ on our behalf. But there's another element to the Lord's Supper that is often forgotten. And Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says that we are to do this, and as often as we do this, as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Church, we're caught between the middle of two great events. On one end, in the past, the history, the event of the cross of Jesus Christ, where sins were atoned for, where sins were paid for, where you and I found life. But on the other side, the event that's coming is the return of our Lord. So as you go now to the Lord's Supper, and as you hold the bread and the juice in your hand, symbolic of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, would you remember together his work for us, and would you remember as well that he is coming so soon for you and him. If you're here tonight and you know Jesus Christ and this is for you, this is for you, it's a celebration of remembrance for Jesus and it's for you. But if you're here tonight and you may be saying to yourself, no, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. After tonight, I don't know. Then know this, this is not for you. This is for those in Christ. We're not excluding you from this, but the Bible's very clear, the warnings against it for you who are not in Christ. But we'd invite you as the elements are passed to ask the same question and consider the same Savior that we are all thinking about. And ask your heart, who is this Jesus? And what is he trying to tell me tonight? I'll invite the servers to come forward now. And as they do come forward, church, let's pray together and go before the Lord now in this holy moment. Father, we pray that you would lead us now to worship of you. God, I pray that this would not be a check mark. This would not just be something we just do. But I pray, God, that there is worship in this room rising to you because of it, remembering the Savior and what he's done and delighting in his oh-so-soon return. Make us ready, God. Make us ready even now. I pray that your spirit works. I pray that he works in every heart in this room. Would worship rise to you now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.